0: in the not-too-distant future, following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2. There's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to the last comic show. Hey,
1: hey! It is now time for more of the last- And I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson, and welcome back to another great week of our fantastic broadcast. And of course, as always, I'm joined by the wonderful co-host, J.A. Scott. Now, J.A., on today's program, we're going to be talking about Swamp Thing. It's actually your pick. Like, you decided that we were going to read some Swamp Thing this week. Are you a fan of Swamp Thing? Why did you pick Swamp Thing? I
2: picked it because I had never read it. And Ah. I know that... Alan Moore had quite the run on Swamp Thing, and it's well-received by the uh, comic reading public, so I wanted to read it and see what uh, all the talk is about.
1: (laughs) Well, I will say this, sir, that of all the comic book characters you could pick, boy, howdy, did you pick one that I've just never, ever been able to get into. Like, just as a kid, I remember, like, there were Swamp Thing toys, there was a Swamp Thing USA show, there was even a Swamp Thing cartoon, and other than the awesome, awesome, awesomely bad theme song of Swamp Thing, you are amazing! And
3: I don't know, they were riding around on dune buggies or something. And they had a playset for the toys where you would have a little slab and you'd put your human character on the slab and then you'd flip it over and a little bug man would come out and now yeah, be- turned into a bug. Ah! And that's
1: uh, my other co-host, Chad Smith. But what I was going to ask was, I said this was a character I was never able to get to and he was widely popular. And so I was going to put it out to my, my co-hosts here. What is one character that is Fairly popular or well-known among comic book circles, but you've just never been able to get into.
2: That's pretty easy. It's uh, For me, it's Green Lantern. Maybe he was okay when he was part of Justice League here and there, but to me, Green Lantern is perfectly encapsulated by the Green Lantern movie. Just useless. Why? What's the
1: point? <laughs> <laughs> oh. And that's surprising because, honestly... Uh, he's he's one of those cosmic characters, and typically you like the cosmic characters, like you you know at least at Marvel you were all about like folks like you know Silver Surfer and Guardians of the Galaxy and Thanos and all those things, and that's kind of DC's equivalent. Any reason why you're like Egh. when it comes to Green Lantern, yet you like the other cosmic characters?
2: I don't know. I just could never get into him. I never read a story that I that was memorable with Green Lantern. I think I always had issues with kind of like the whole power set and the ring and i just and he wasn't very interesting of a character the other green lantern core characters the other aliens were much more interesting than him
1: that's true some guy gardner some gnor yeah it is true hal jordan is is pretty white bread he's pretty dull as they come now now chad
3: uh what what's your pick oh man well jay stole my answer Mm -hmm. i was gonna say green lantern but uh I'm just going to go with Jeff Johns. <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> he, he's wow. Uh, the, the guy who did that whole Blackest Night story. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, oh, look, all the superheroes are zombies. And I read it, and I was like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he's really well-known for his Flash run that, you know, people love. And, like, I read it, I was like, uh-huh. Can we have Mark Wade again? Mm-hmm. A lot of people love uh, Jeff Johns. And, by the way, he worked on that Green Lantern movie, J.A., mm-hmm. But uh, it's never connected with me. I've never read a Jeff Johns story that I was like, wow, that was really good. And so I'm going to say Jeff Johns. Fair enough. Well, one person
1: also, another comic book creator we have on today's program is the wonderful Pittsburgh-based Mikey Wood. And uh, glad to have you back on the show, Mikey. Yay! Uh, so throwing the question out to you, is there a particular character that you never really could get behind? My, You know, you guys are going to murder me for saying this, but mine is
0: Spider-Man. I <gasps> <gasps> oh. yeah. I know, I know you guys are big Spider-Man. Short of like a handful of stories, which like Spider-Man Blue is good, but that team could do no wrong in my mind. I mean, uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, like everything they do is they make me give a damn about characters that I never imagined giving a damn about. Which like 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 Spider-Man, that Spider-Man Blue is glorious, but um, Spider-Man Rain, which apparently everybody like the the Dark Knight Returns version of Spider-Man, which I really dug,
3: the one with the radioactive stove.
0: Yeah, which is silly. And but it makes plenty of sense too at the same time if you if you think about it. But I've never been able to get into him in long, long I mean, there's a lot of a lot of character Fantastic Four is the same way and I just I just couldn't get into them. But but Spider Man's the shocking one because everybody loves Spider Man and I'm just kinda like eh
1: Well you what? you bring up a good point. I mean I, I have been a lifelong uh, Spider Man fan and I still have a you know soft spot for the old web swinger for sure. But uh, I, I will say that as I've grown older The shine has come off of Spider-Man a little bit for me. I remember when I was a teenager, obviously Spider-Man was my bread and butter. But as I've grown older, like, Spider-Man continued to be somebody that was in his late 20s and he wasn't you know he was married maybe to mary jane or had mary jane as a girlfriend but he never was able to progress he was never able to have kids he was never able to move on out of that you know everyone and and now they've even de-aged him a little bit more by giving you the miles morales version so like i feel like the older i get the less i have in common with peter parker like it is like i i have more in common now with with Reed Richards, genuinely just being a like a dad, like I I, I can relate more. I have a beard now, like I like I'm a grown <laughs> ass man. So like you know, it is what it is. Not that I'm a dick. I mean, some of my co-hosts might say that from time to time, but I don't know. That's just the way I feel. I know Chad is evergreen when it comes to Spider-Man, and I
3: oh yeah, See, I, I won't lie to you. It's been a rough decade or so. We had that whole Dan slot era. I'm not a, not a big fan. But uh, for me, there's something about Spider-Man, the essence of Spider-Man, where if you go back to those first hundred issues, especially the first 38 when Ditko was there, when Spider-Man aged in real time, like there was so much growth and development that happened to those. Those I can go back to time and time again. There's something about his personality that's always relatable for me. So he's the, the everyman. He's the guy who has the problems no matter what. He's the guy who, no matter how great they try to make him, he still screws everything up. I don't know. As somebody who is really great, but screws everything up pretty much all the time, I can really relate to Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, J.A., thoughts on Spider-Man real quick? Well, he's just not as powerful
2: as Silver Surfer, so what's the point? <laughs> that's right, that's right.
1: <laughs> Well, one character that's not as powerful as Silver Surfer either is the Swamp Thing, and we're going to be reviewing some Alan Moore Swamp Thing. Saga-ish, almost. Any case, we'll be right back with more of that review right after these messages, so stay tuned.
0: If I ever did a Silver Surfer, like, he'd have silver business. Like, he would just be... T- hey,
1: this is 10M. Padawan J.
3: Coach Duffy.
1: From the Ocho Duro Parley Hour podcast. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. All right, we're back with more of the last comic shop. And on today's program, we're going to be doing an Alan Moore book. I think it's the first Alan Moore book that we've done on this particular show, which is we've talked about him from hell and how long that was and how we didn't want to do that on this show for sure. But what we did do on this show is Saga of the Swamp Thing, which is actually... Fairly popular in terms of Alan Moore's work. I I personally would put it in that kind of tier with things like V for Vendetta and uh, Watchmen, obviously. But I think that those are kind of like Alan Moore books that everybody seems to know and has been adapted at least several times. I mean, as recently as last year, when that DC streaming service program came out,
3: I was gonna chime in too. I think he elevated the character of Swamp Thing because I know when I talk to people that are fans of the horror comics and the horror genre, like inevitably they talk about how great Swamp Thing is. Yeah, you know, there's just a certain uh, you know demographic where the Alan Moore put him on the map, but that's been enough to sustain the character. And he has other really good stories that come on every now and again. But really, people just go back to the Alan Moore stuff. Right. uh, And plus the
1: fact that, like, he really did lay the groundwork, which would eventually become Vertigo. Like, you don't have Saga of the Swamp thing and a couple other books. Maybe you don't get Vertigo. I don't know. But he sets the tone with what Vertigo would eventually become for for DC. So very, very important stuff here in Saga the Swamp Thing. And
3: uh, Chad, other than Alan Moore, who worked on this particular collection? This is book one. It's been uh, collected as its issues numbers 20 through 27. I've got Alan Moore picking up from, I think it was Marty Pascal. I actually
0: think it's criminal that, that Marty's issues are sort of ignored you know like you don't start volume one of collections with issue 20 you know like as much as i love alan moore's thing marty's swamp things were good and and he just passed away within the last two years and he he was on my facebook a lot he was a good guy but anyway
3: i heard a lot of interviews with him he's very energetic and like yes. he's worked on so many different things too so that's everything that's the art tours are shared between stephen Bissett and john Totalben, dan day and rick bike colors by tarjana wood And John Costanza and Todd Klein, who are those Vertigo letterers?
1: So anyways, this was J.A.'s pick for this particular week. He wanted to read a DC book, and he uh, wanted to read Swamp Thing. So he gets the honor of doing the 10-cent synopsis, as always. So what happens in the, these, these, what, eight issues of Saga of the Swamp Thing, J.A.? Okay, so this is really
2: uh, Alan Moore's retconning, reimagining of what Swamp Thing is and was as a character. He really, in these eight issues, he lays the groundwork for everything that would come after this within Swamp Thing and then the greater universe. I think John Constantine was created a couple issues after this run that we didn't actually read. But essentially, Swamp Thing, up until this point, had been a man that became this human swampy thing. Uh, and Alan Moore retcons that to be that it is the man is dead and Swamp Thing is just a vegetable creation that has been imbued with this guy's memories and thoughts, but it's not the man itself. So it ends the idea that the Swamp Thing will become a man again, because he never was a man. He was always just a vegetable, always just bean mm-hmm. plantation. And... There's a couple of issues where Swamp Thing has a mini breakdown, and he goes through a crisis where he's trying to get over the fact that he's no longer human, or he never was human. So there's no hope to becoming human again, which brings up some really cool, interesting ideas about, you know, what it is to be human, what is humanity, what are thoughts, all these things. And then, of course, because it's Swamp Thing, you're dealing with issues of the environment and and the nature of the relationship between humans and plants, and that we are uh, that we we need each other, and uh, and then towards the end he introduces some demons, and you get into stuff that you can see he's planting the the seeds of what would become like John Constantine and some of his other famous characters that would show up. I think Constantine comes in like issue 35, so we weren't far off. That's my
1: $1.50 synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mikey, do you want to give us your 10-cent synopsis? Since, again, it's it's like with uh, Essex County, where, like, J.A. picks the book, but then we bring somebody on the show that, like, likes it even more than he does. Uh, it's not
0: easy being in the green. That's basically it. Um,
1: <laughs> and, you know,
0: John, John Constantine is actually in one panel of one of these issues. I can't remember exactly what issue it is. But he's standing... After the guy is impaled by the sea or by the by the, the sword swordfish, fish. John Constantine is standing in a crowd next to Abby Arcane. Uh, so that's technically the first appearance of John Constantine. Although it's not, they don't say that, but that's that's who it is. Neat. Um Yeah, man, I love Swamp Thing and Man Thing too. You know, depending upon who's writing him, and if it's if it's covered in vegetation, I just love it. Um, You know, I like every era of Swamp Thing, but when, when Alan Moore came in, basically the idea is that instead of it being a man who thinks he's a plant, it's a plant who thinks he's a man. So he manages to retcon everything, but still keep everything at the same time. Especially issue twenty is it's called loose ends and it really is loose ends. It's tying up a lot of stuff that happened um, in the prior few issues of Marty Pasco's run and every everybody because of the movies and because of the cartoon associates Doctor Arcane with a Swamp Thing as his main villain. But Arcane, at least first volume entirely, he's not even there. He's an element that was there and he's a he's a haunt. But but uh, the Floronic Man is really the villain of this of this one for the most part.
1: Right. So. Yeah, so I'll kick it off with my particular initial thoughts because this is now like the fourth or fifth time that I've read this particular book. And I will say that I have never read book two, book three, or any other Swamp Thing (laughs) other than this particular book. And again, I think Mikey Wood hit on one of the reasons why I never got into Swamp Thing is because I'm more of a Man Thing guy. I like Steve Gerber. People know that I like Steve Gerber and I like Steve Gerber when he writes Man Things. So if I'm going to pick my hulking rotting sack of vegetation i'm gonna go with man thing more often than not but this particular book i can remember the first time i read it i was like 20 years old and i have an older brother who has always been kind of like my comic mentor and one day he said you know what your problem is you're reading a lot of shit and i said i said okay and so he threw down this particular book on my bed and he's like you read this this is good and the first issue, I was like, meh. But then I got to Anatomy Lesson, Swamp Thing 21. That's by far one of the best single issues that I've ever read of comic books, and I still stand by that. You know, basically, if you could cut everything else out of Swamp Thing, you could just provide Anatomy Lesson and just say, yeah, read this, and that's all you need to know about Swamp Thing. I think you're okay with that. Yeah. Because honestly, it not only flips the script on a particular character, but does it in such a way that it's really hard to ever think of that character the same way again. And the pacing and the plotting of that particular issue and the buildup and the tension as like he thaws out of the ice. And so it's just, it's just gorgeous. And everything else after that with the Floronic Man is horrendous. And you get through those five issues with the Floronic Man and then you get to the thing with the Monkey King and I'm like, I'm, I'm off. <clears throat> Even though Etric and the Demon's there, and I love that from Jack Kirby, I'm off. And so that's, those are my initial thoughts. Of this particular book. I love those five issues. I think that is the greatest Swamp Thing story ever. But do I ever have to read any other Swamp Thing? No. Mm.
3: Says the guy who's never read any other Swamp Thing. How do you know? <laughs> That's true. Go ahead. So this is, it's tons of fun. Especially when you consider it in the context of when it came out. You're talking about the early to mid 80s. When you really started to have these eco warriors out there. And people starting to really care about the planet. And, and you know broadcast that loudly. And then you have this representative, this, you know, he's like the senator from The Green, you know. And there's, Swamp Thing has such a cool look to him. Um, and I, you know, I, I will be the first to confess, I my comic reading, I tend to lean more towards superheroes than uh, horror books and things of that nature. But uh, when you read Swamp Thing, when you read this book, it's an experience. And... Uh, There's all kinds of, like, just weird, neat little thought processes, and a lot of them have been matriculated out into other forms, but you know it came here first. Uh, There's so much of this that, you know, I just respect Moore's writing, and the ideas behind, you know, instead of making him a man who turns into a plant, he's a plant that has engulfed this man, that's become part of this uh, collective unconscious. I think that's super fascinating. I think it's really gross how he grows those tubers. And... uh, I don't ever want to see or experience those tubers, even though I have read the issues where uh, Abby gets to taste a tuber of her own and that turns into something real weird and neat looking. I'm going to stay away. Mm. Uh, Makes you look at carrots different way. Yeah. 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 But no, it's. And I always go back to the look of Swamp Thing himself. It's just such a cool looking, earthy monster. Like, I dig it. J.A.,
1: now, you, this is the first time that you've read this particular... I'm, I'm saving Mikey for last, by the way, and that's on purpose, because I feel like he's got a lot to say. <laughs> now, this is the first Man, time that you've read this particular book. What are your initial thoughts? Is like, again, did it kind of move you the way that it, it did me the first time I read it?
2: Yeah, so uh, loose ends. the first chapter, did feel like, okay, where is this going? Uh, you know, wrapping up everything from the earlier run, as Mikey said. After all those loose ends got tied up anatomy lesson was just an eye opener for me an eye opener for me an eye opener for the character and then the following story with the floronic man was just wow i was blown away by that the darkness of it the the inner turmoil of of people's thoughts and what they were dealing with the thing i found most jarring was the covers The covers were still like, you know, 1970s, 1980s fun comic covers. But then inside, the actual what was going on, like the Floronic Man is sealing people in their homes and having the plants put out oxygen so that they blow up and explode with fire.
1: And don't forget the flush and spray can. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any more disturbing scene than that last chloronic man gets kicked out of the green and he goes back and he's like, I got to pretend I'm a human. And the Justice League fall, finds him and he's like, his, his bark's been grown out and his arm's broken. And he's like, I'm just a human like everybody else. And I'm just like, no, sir, you are nowhere near human right now. <laughs> that yeah. is nasty. Yeah. That,
2: that's such a great panel where Superman's put his cape over the guy's shoulders and and he's like talking to Green Lantern so Arkham for him yeah yeah Yeah. Arkham Yeah,
0: Jay just mentioned the the Justice League appearing at the at the tail end of uh, Floronic Man little little four issue thing or five issue thing. Um, the way Moore handles those superheroes even is amazing. You know when he talks about how there's a city in the sky and and all of these things and 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 then the Floronic Man says they'll be here soon. They drop from the sky. They always drop from the sky. Like it just it makes him seems so much more otherworldly and, and when they mention that you know when when green arrow of course in character as as green arrow would mentions how hey we watch new york and we watch metropolis and we watch gotham but nobody watches over these people you know and that's something that green arrow really would say because he's like he he was the original social justice warrior that green you know uh, all superheroes are social justice warriors which drives me <laughs> crazy about modern comic fans saying otherwise i don't know what comics they read maybe just punisher but um Because Swamp Thing prior to this was very much like, you know, like a Frankenstein y kind of monster of the week sort of comic. I don't want to downplay anything, you know, that that people did beforehand. Um, But the saga series, Saga of the Swamp Thing, came out in a weird sort of publishing way the the first issue they published was an annual they published saga of the swamp thing annual number one before there was even a series and that was an adaptation of the movie that came out at the time with adrian barbeau with adrian barbeau yeah and and dick durock in a in a in a diving suit you know which i love for what it is it's a b movie and it should be but the revival came and marty pascal worked on the first you know 19 issues but yeah you're you're right if you want the essence of what swamp thing is reading the anatomy lesson is really like the a great primer for what's left but but after that i mean you're talking hundreds more issues andrew like you're there are some phenomenal swamp thing stories and there's some that aren't i mean just like everything else but but for the seven issues that we read it's the first time i ever read a comic that was called that was considered a horror comic quote unquote that actually creeped me out
2: yeah i was just that that Floronic man kissed that town By having the plants lock everybody Inside the sheriff who's Watched the video and has gone back to his House and is chopping down this tree And burning his yard and taking all the House plants out that's just Awesomely grotesque but <laughs> What you mentioned about the superheroes Another thing I really liked You know you have Justice Lee looking down And they're like what's going on the Floronic man He always loses why are we Caring about this he never wins. <laughs> And then they're like, well, how can we do, can we do this? No, that won't work. Can we do this? No, that won't work. And it ends up, they're completely powerless. All yeah. these these great superheroes in their citadel in the sky can't do anything to stop this. And it ends up being Swamp Thing. And he doesn't do it by might and right. He does it by uh, convincing the guy that his thought processes are wrong and basically makes him crazy.
3: They definitely tap into that Carl Jungian, the, the collective unconscious and turn it on its head. And like, yeah, no, it's in the earth, it's in the green, and it's all connected. And it's, you know, very like spiritual almost like, and that's what it makes it extra creepy because you're like, yeah, I can kind of feel this stuff happening. You go outside, you you connect with nature. And then it turns out the nature is a force called the green. And there's this guy, giant tuber guy. But (laughs) the question I wanted to ask is, and especially Mikey, since you're such a, a Swamp Thing devotee, did you like it more once he was fully vertigoized and kind of off in his own vertigo universe where he didn't have the superheroes to play off with? Because, like, when the superheroes show up here, I'm like, ah, it's kind of garish. Jay pointed out very rightly so that, you know, they don't fit here. This doesn't yeah. fit into that paradigm of the superhero showing up and punching somebody in the jaw and saving the day. And yeah. you know Alan Moore's, you know he has the Justice League sitting there. like, is there anything we can do? And they're like, I guess not.
0: Well, it's it's weird because you know like I think Andrew mentioned that that, but it gave birth to like Hellraiser, Hellraiser, Hellblazer. Oh my God! Um, and even Sandman in a way.
3: They had superheroes Subtype. there too in the first couple issues, and it's We're,
0: like ah. And Alan Moore even uses them later on too. There's more. There's a there's a whole issue where they all travel to hell and all this other stuff, and 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 uh, the Justice League is with them, but. It shows superheroes out of their elements, for lack of a... I mean, pun intended, I suppose, elements, but animal, vegetable, mineral. But but it shows them out of their elements in situations that they don't necessarily know how to... And in and, and the scene where they're discussing things, where Superman's like, I can count every oxygen atom in the air if you want me to. And and fire, and they're trying to fire storms, like, no, nah, don't, don't bother with that. They're all trying to figure out how to defeat him, because Floronic Man, prior to this... Like he's, I think he debuted in like the first Silver Age Adam issue, if I if I remember correctly, and uh, like he was just this kind of throwaway vegetable guy. So when they when Vertigo came around, when the subprint came around, and they sort of took a step away from it and separated themselves from it, the stories were still really good. So yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. The, and the superhero element is is such a weird inclusion, and you're right, it feels so out of place but they play it that way like in sandman when there's a whole issue that's devoted to mr miracle and his nightmares that he has about apocalypse and at the end martian manhunter steps in and mentions oreo cookies because he has that oreo cookie addiction that was a humorous little thing and that's like you know playing in that sandbox similar to what alan moore does and that's fun but to have them be a constant element i think would kind of ruin it it got them out of the comics code thing. It it, it allowed them to do more mature because because these books, for being when they came out, these are pretty serious comics. The, these seven Alan Moore issues. There's some horrific stuff going on in there.
3: Um, oh, yeah. Not to and, mention the alcoholism and like
0: like the Monkey King story is kind of weak. I mean, it's a horror story, but like there's some really terrible. Like when you find oh, yeah. out what the girl's
1: secret is. You know, with her yeah, father they're standing over yeah. yeah,
3: You don't have or, to tell. Uh, yeah,
1: the the, the scene with... Any scene with Matt Cable, just downright oily, just makes you just want to crawl out of your... It's just... he. He's an interesting character, too, because he does... You know,
0: his character comes to a pretty gruesome and pretty finite end. But he comes back in Sandman, in Raven form. Matthew the Raven in Sandman in his I next in that. his next yeah that's matthew cable and that's that and when you know that and you read some of the Sandman issues and he makes comments about certain things it 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 sort of gels it together so so all of those books are so interconnected and and those are the books i read when i was coming up like when I, when other people were reading you know secret wars and things like that which are phenomenal anyway because of the people i knew in high school uh, I was reading, you know, Swamp Thing and Hellblazer and, and Sandman, and you know, and, and, and further and further and, and any of the spinoffs off of that and the whole DC horror. Th- and I still stand by, you know, when people ask me why I'm more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy, this is why. Because Marvel would never publish a book like Saga of the Swamp Thing, like these Alan Moore books. They'd never do it. Even Man-Thing books don't go as far as this comic does. Right. And they're a blast, you know, unless... R.L. Starn writes them, and they're terrible. Mm. Right, well,
1: yeah. <laughs> but the interesting thing about Saga the Swamp Thing, and I want to jump in here, is that this is a trend for Alan Moore, and especially Alan Moore of the 80s. Like, if you've ever read Saga the Swamp Thing, and then you go and you read some of his other books, like, say, Miracleman, the fact that in England, uh, they still had the rights, quote-unquote, to Shazam. So, at, at some point, like... Alan Moore took a, a stab at, you know, basically writing a Shazam book and turned it on its head and wrote Miracle Man. Again, that's, that's something that I, I can highly recommend that you read. But he, whether it's that or whether it's again eventually with Watchmen, what he does is he takes like basically Silver Age characters. Whether it's again Shazam, Swamp Thing, Blue Beetle. Uh, or Captain Adam, or whatever you want to talk about. And then he transforms them. He changes them. He flips them on their head a little bit. And he says, you know what? You can tell some much more interesting stories just by changing one or two variables with these particular individuals and making them live in more of a realistic setting.
3: Yeah, he uh, which was, the harsh realities of the day.
1: Yeah. Not, not, nobody really was doing that. Uh, until Alan Moore kind of showed up and decided that's what he wanted to do. and
2: You're on the right path with that. It's, it's like he's taking these superhero tropes everyone knows and, and loves and, and reads and is reused over and over again, and then he takes that and he uses that as almost like a looking glass. That's what he's doing with the Justice League here. He's using the Justice League as the mirror to, you know, this is what you normally get with a comic. Here come the superheroes to save the day. And they can't because it's not something that a superhero can do. It's not might makes right. It's not you know faster than a speeding bullet. It's all these, pardon the pun. You have to get down into the swamp to yeah. fix. And if you look at what he's done with Watchmen, it is it's the same thing. It's showing you that you know this superficiality of the superhero is just that. It's almost like you know proto-Batman that after so long, or or James Bond, after killing so many people and betting so many women, you end up with a hollow shell of a person just going through the motions because that's what they're told to do or that's what everyone expects them to be.
0: Yeah. Watchmen is just basically the Charlton superhero characters just done through his lens. And and Swamp characters have been around you know since you know the heap and the old airboy comics back in the 1940s um and they all have similar storylines you know a person dies and the swamp takes them over and brings them back to life for whatever reason if you want to like just to dip your feet into it this is a great volume to do it with sure. so so before i forget we mentioned the vertigo thing swamp thing didn't carry the vertigo imprint until issue 129 and it only ran to 171. So it really wasn't a Vertigo book for a very long time. But I can't remember when they dropped the comics code from it, though. It was earlier than that. As far as issue, like, 90, it wasn't carrying. It had a suggested for mature readers note on there, wasn't it? But the, these these seven issues, I guess, or six issues, whatever, uh, really kind of give you an idea of what's going to come. But it goes so much further. And before we started recording, Chad mentioned an issue where they do eventually fall in love with each other. And there's a scene where they do, to the best of their ability, have a romantic moment. It's all done through, uh, you know, psychedelic tubers and, and you know, basically eating a potato-like growth from his body. And it just, it just goes so, and there's so much more body horror stuff. And then there's the occasional, like, monster of the week
3: kind of thing. But in a way that only really Alan Moore could do. But you bring up a great point, or to piggyback off what you were saying, when Abby eats that tuber, it's a very different experience than when the Floronic Man eats one of those tubers. Right? Like, it's, it's all in what your your purpose is, what your goal is. At the end of that story, when uh, Swamp Thing is dressing down the Floronic Man, where he's like, "You are hurting the Green. You think you're doing these things, getting rid of all these, you know, all these meat bags." You think that's the way to do things, but look at the destruction you're causing. As opposed to Abby, where she's more, you know, embracing of that, and it's a more loving exchange. And you know, it's I, there's deep stuff here. No, it, sure. you bring up a great point
1: with that that notion of the Floronic Man again wanting to become, you know, in, in tap with the green and saying like, I'm going to liberate all the plants, and we're going to kill all the animals and, and stuff like that. But you know, and, and the swamp thing, rightly pointing out that. Him him bringing violence to that particular world is, at its core, anti to that particular world. You can boil down the Floronic Man to like that notion that those that want power probably shouldn't be the ones to hold power. He wants to be the main big head honcho of the green, the big defender, the guy that's going to be on that wall. And you know what? He's not the right guy for it. Because he wants the job so badly. He's right. willing to do whatever. And he's got an inferiority complex about that. He knows he's not the swamp thing. He knows he doesn't have a natural attachment. In fact, he has to use the swamp thing in order to get it. Yeah. And so therefore, he's always going to be inferior to the genuine article, as it, as it might say. And so he, there, and- he's never going to be the proper representative of that It's 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 so universal, and and Alan Moore taps into that. Yeah, and you'll never really need the
3: animals too. Yeah, like there's a certain balance, there's a certain cohesion in nature, certain roles that need to be played and so people they go so far to embrace one role, they forget about the others and the importance they have. Yeah, as we said earlier, the symbiotic
2: relationship, you know, and that there's that great panel, that great scene where. Swamp Thing is addressing the Florianic Man, and he goes, and what will change the oxygen back into the gases that we need to survive when men and animals are dead? And then there's that, that great art where it's like six little mini mm-hmm. panels all cut up for you for uh, just to show the, the mind awakening within the Florianic Man, realizing, oh, maybe it wasn't such a good idea, my grand mm-hmm. master plan.
0: And he's very much like Anton Arcane in that aspect. Anton Arcane's the same kind of idea where he wants this, uh, you know, dark magical power and, and, it, and it just, it eats you alive. But but what's interesting is later on in the Swamp Thing books, Alec actually gets to almost to that same point as the Floronic Man does, where he just, he feels the earth in such pains that that he decides fight against it you know there's a few there's a few issues there where alec is almost becomes villainous uh, somewhere along the line i mean there's so you have to there's so many swamp thing issues that they all start to jumble in my brain so i don't know what volume it is or anything like that but and and the other thing that's interesting about the series as a whole is that the art in these issues is for me was unlike anything i had ever seen at that time in my life as a as a young now i didn't come to these when they were coming out i i I read these when i was probably about like 16 or something like so so like i don't know if yates had done anything before these or or, and i have some tarzan books that yates did later on and he's just amazing and but the the books consistently have phenomenal artwork as well. When the right. teams change, when artists come in and change, but you, you're right when you mentioned that the covers are very much still sort of throwbacky 1970s uh, style covers too, and it almost tricks you into reading this book that that is not what the cover indicates. I mean, it is. It's not like those cover. There was a while where covers just blatantly lied to you, and it did not You know, the cover indicated something that doesn't even happen in the in the book. I can't imagine being someone who was reading the book on a regular basis reading those first few issues of alan moore's run and wondering what the hell was happening because they are very different from what came before what came before is worth noting and i, and I said I, I mentioned how i think it's kind of criminal how how the first 19 issues of the of the book are or seemingly ignored like this trade paperback is volume one it shouldn't be volume one it should be like volume eight um but it did hit its stride when alan moore took over and that's when it became it was an event after that it was like a,
1: a it's interesting that you bring up the art Because, again, I want to really quickly talk to, to J.A. and to Chad. You're right that the Swamp Thing has always had Fantastic artists mm-hmm. working On the particular books I mean, Bernie Wrightson <laughs> Uh, was the guy that co-created with, uh, and and if you've never seen any Bernie Wrightson's uh, Frankenstein stuff, it's just tremendous. Aww. But anyways, and then saw, yeah. like, when he left, it was like Nestor Redondo and, and 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 guys like that. So Chad, what I mean, as somebody that enjoys good comic book art, what what did what did you think of the art in this? Oh, it's it's wonderful.
3: I mean, I talked earlier about how swamping just that visual of the monster, like it's so unique and in here it's so well done especially i go to one of the issues the one with the justice league comes in and they have the tv shots of the floronic man Mm. and it looks like they were actual photographs like it's so close to photo realism do they draw this is this real is this some guy in a costume but it's not just the the realism to it there's a storytelling element there i i think the art in here is just and we we haven't gushed about it enough Like, it's horrific when it needs to be horrific. It's emotional when you need it to be emotional. I just, I love it. I'm thinking about, um,
2: from the anatomy lesson, there's this one great half-page panel uh, where the Floronic Man is, you know, working to figure out what's going on with Swamp Thing. And it's almost all black with just these little bits of, like, him with his head down or him thinking uh him holding up tubers and and you know papers are falling through the panel and it's all of his thoughts jotted down almost like it's a artistic representation of the notes and his thoughts at that moment while he's doing that investigative aspect and it's just really really well done there's you know it's You've got these little bits of him doing all these different things, and then it all fades into a giant half-page picture of his face thinking, and his mind is the swamp thing stuff. So you can see that swamp oh, yeah. thing is on his mind.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah that I I really liked uh, the issue when he's having his complete mental breakdown and he's having all those the dreams. Uh, Like, there's this one scene where, like, he's just being attacked by just horrific, grotesque things, and they're trying to steal his skeleton, and he's like, this is all I've got left. Like, this is my humanity. Like, and he's, like, trying to fight it. He's like, I'll fight you all! And it's just so much power and emotion in some of these Swamp Thing panels, that it's just hard not to enjoy it.
0: Oh, about that part, a lot of the, the beings in that imagery are from the first run from the 70s. Um, so he's
1: having memories of the past volume, which I think is pretty cool. Um, Very cool. Oh, it's good stuff. Yeah. We'll, we'll be right back with more Last Comic Shop right after these messages. We've got our rating for Saga of the Swamp Thing, book one, so stay tuned for that. Hopefully we won't get swamped in the meantime. Nice. Have you ever been reading through a stack of comics and thought, maybe I should see what this Arkham Asylum game is all about? Or been playing Marvel vs. Capcom and felt like you were at a
0: real disadvantage because you didn't know who half the characters were? Well, Play Comics is the show for you. I'm Chris, and each episode takes a look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to the source material. So whether you know the comics and want to know how these games work, or know the games and want to find out where all this craziness came from, go check out Play Comics at playcomics.com, the Brain Trust Network, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.
1: All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our ratings, where we have the audacity to rate an Alan Moore book. Some people would call this blasphemy, but you know, and not everything that Alan Moore has written it has been the best. I, I, I think we could all probably go around and at least say there was one thing that Alan Moore wrote that we were like, meh, it's not so great. Lost Girls. Yes, <laughs> there's that. I actually, I'm not a huge fan of um, what is it? The uh, Ex- League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, what 1969? Yeah,
3: <gasps> volume three and beyond. Um, right. League of Extraordinary <sighs> Gentlemen it just loses me. I, I I don't like it. I don't. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. We're not
1: here to talk about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. 19. I mean,
0: I don't know what the hell's going on in it, but I like it. Uh, <laughs> It's no
1: top 10, sir. Oh, top 10 is so good. Oh, anyway. Well, what what we are saying is whether we think this particular book one of Saga of the Swamp thing is good or bad. And we're going to do it as we always do on a one out of four scale. And as always, my cousin J.A. Scott likes to give us some fun way to grade our book this particular week. So what... One way are we going to grade this Alan Moore treasure?
2: Wow. It's swamp thing, so we're in the swamp. It only makes sense that we're rating it as one out of four vines.
3: Vines? I don't even know what that is. What, what kind Aren't of stuff is like, uh, like,
1: like the licorice? licorice? <laughs> yeah, like a vine. You know, a vine from a tree. You couldn't go like alligators? You couldn't go no. like, I don't know, those... <laughs> those things that they ride around in the hoverboard hovercraft the hovercrafts, yeah you couldn't go hovercraft you went with vines. that's not even yeah. the thing that's the most preferable in the jungle like you couldn't say rotten logs and eh, never mind anyways well, how many vines are you giving this particular book this week j.a it was your pick after all
2: I'm gonna give it three vines. Three out of four. I really liked it. I really liked the issue that the Floronic Man run. So the uh, retconning of Swamp Thing up through Floronic Man going crazy and trying to kill the world. Uh, I really appreciated that. The next story, the Monkey King story, you know, very demonic type story. I think had I continued to read the run... I probably would have enjoyed that more because it would have felt like it fit in more. But just in, in terms of this saga that we read, these eight issues, the retcon origin story of the Swamp Thing and the Floronic Man uh, arc, the Monkey King is like, well, we've got to add another story so we can pad out this book and sell it for
1: $20. Right. I, I can see where you're going with that. You kind of do switch tracks a little bit after that Floronic Man. So yeah, three three vines for you. Okay. Chad, what is your grade for this particular saga of the Swamp Thing?
3: I don't know. Initially, I was going to go higher because 80s Alan Moore is hard to beat. Um, and I think there's some 90s Alan Moore, or 2000s Alan Moore, where it goes off the rails a little bit. But back in the, the 80s, like... He touched into the collective unconscious, like I said earlier. I don't know. The art is fantastic. Sometimes it's revelatory. I don't mind the Monkey Man story as much as you guys did. I thought it was very scary. I thought it was very creepy. I thought, you know, it fit the the horror ethos uh, of the series. I I didn't think it was as good, but I didn't think it was bad or terrible or, you know, shouldn't be deducted in any way. But, uh, I don't know, maybe I should. So I'm going to say 3.75... Vines, but I, I just love the whole concept, and I, I, I wanted to go back to one page that we didn't bring up. Where Swamp Thing was there, and he's like, "Listen, you guys, you wouldn't let me be a human, so I became a monster. And then you wouldn't let me be a monster, so I became a plant. And now you guys won't let me be a plant." Of course, like, Swamp Thing <laughs> he just wants a thing to be. It's like the old school Hulk. Let him be a plant.
1: Very cool. All right, Mikey, uh, what's your rating for this particular yeah, book? I mean. Man, I gotta go with the four, man. I, I
0: have to. It's it's read read the next issue, Andrew. Read the next issue, and I think you'll keep wanting to go because the next issue is is called the burial, and it's it ties into the anatomy lesson very well. Like just just do it. Just keep going. Um, <laughs> it's just so good. It's so wow. good. So that's four vines
1: for me. Wow. I will say this that. Uh, I, I might read some more Swamp Thing. Maybe you've converted me. I don't know, Mikey Wood. I know that? I, I know eventually somewhere along the lines like he swaps places with John Constantine so that he can have sex with Abigail, which just seems like a weird threesome. And I don't know. That just seems icky to me. I might not go there as far <laughs> as that. But I think that's why I'm going to give this particular book a three. Because... I will be very honest because the anatomy lesson by far, that's like a 10. That's like one of the greatest issues of comic books ever. Like single issues. I've said that already. And the rest of that Floronic man story is just as good. Like that's, it, it hits a peak and it just doesn't come down for another four issues. So for that, it's like a, that's easily a four. But then in this particular book, you get those monkey man issues, which aren't as good. But that's like kind of like you, that, that's a mountaintop and anything else is just going to be a hill. But unfortunately, that hill is in this collection. and You're just kind of like, yeah. Maybe I should have just stopped with five issues and just jumped off. And so there's like that inevitable letdown. I'm sorry to say, as a reader, there's an inevitable letdown with the Monkey Man. Nothing can compare to those five issues. So you're kind of just like, anything, doesn't matter what the story is going to be, it's not going to be as good. Yeah, it, but that, that story is almost like, it gives you a break
0: for a second from all the, hev- like the story prior to that, the Floronic Man story and all that, it was just heavy. And then, so you have a monster story and then it goes on to more heavy. So, so I, I, I look at that as sort of like a, a
1: breather. Right. Uh, I could see uh, that a palette story. cleanser, yeah. uh, yeah. just reset, getting you back, you know, just getting mm-hmm. you a couple issues, this collection, if I'm grading the book, like book one of saga, the swamp thing, it would be a four if it was just those five issues and nothing else. Like if they, they should have stopped at that and then put whatever else is in the rest of the way, but, but they didn't, they, they did what they did. And so that's why it's a three. But uh, one thing that you could always get on our particular program is recommendations That is where we give you other books other than the Saga of the Swamp thing That you should pick up at your local comic book shop and, and as always on this show we like to do a similar book, a current book, and a book out of left field But we also, when we have wonderful guests like the great and talented Mikey Wood We like to do a cherry on the top Uh, So this week we're going to start off with our current book, and that goes to my co-host Chad. So Chad, what's our current book that they should pick up at a local comic book shop today? Well, if
3: you're a fan of the swamp thing, why not try future state swamp thing Yay! it was only two issues it was written by ram v with art by mike perkins ram v is it ram Uh, Uh five we'll go with the v uh but anyway this is the story it touches on so much of what we think of whenever we think of swamp thing um he ends up with a little swamp thing family he has his daughter that he's he's going around with and uh you know, there are sacrifices to be made for the sake of humanity. And it's it's not just the green, but how things fit in. And I don't know, I feel like if you are a fan of Swamp Thing and all the classic Swamp Thingy tropes, that this story is another one that will it'll scratch that itch for you. Uh, all while serving as part of DC's uh, post-apocalyptic future state saga. So it's definitely worth it. It's only two issues. It's worth checking out. All right, I'll go next, and uh, I've got the uh,
1: similar book for today's broadcast. And uh, for me, I'm picking a trade paperback that you can get, which is called uh, DC Universe, The Stories of Alan Moore. And it is really a collection of a lot of the early DC comics that Alan Moore wrote about the same time as the saga of the swamp thing and boy oh boy are there some gems in this particular collection really when you talk about some of the best Alan Moore stuff from DC uh this book's got it you get for the man that has everything which is all about uh Superman and and getting his greatest wish which is just to be a normal guy on Krypton But really super good. Not only that, but you also get the tremendous, tremendous Whatever Happened to the Man from Tomorrow, which basically Mm. ends the original Superman run at DC Comics before John Byrne came in and rebooted it with uh, Man of Steel. So it's basically Alan Moore kind of putting kind of a closer on all of that Golden Age, Silver Age, Bronze Age kind of wonky stuff that happened uh, with Superman run. So you get that story, you get killing joke, obviously. uh, But then you get some really neat little tiny kind of side stories. Uh, One that I really, really love is a, is a story called footsteps, which comes from secret origins, number 10, which kind of tells the story of who the phantom stranger is in that he was a fallen angel that decided not to side with neither heaven nor hell. Uh, In the big battle between the god and the devil, and was basically cast out of both places. Like, neither place wanted him, because he wouldn't pick a side, and how he's had to pay for that ever since. And uh, there's also a neat uh, Swamp Thing story in here, which is all about basically Superman going crazy, getting infected by some sort of strange Kryptonian fungus, and, and how Swamp Thing has to talk him down pretty much what he is like he's high as a kite or whatever in any case great great stuff it's called dc universe is the story of uh, stories of alan moore can't recommend it enough uh ja what's your out of left field pick this week
2: all right so out of left field uh, it was kind of feeling the uh the setting of the swamp thing we're in the south we're in louisiana and it reminded me of a book that i read back in the middle 90s by Steve Ditko, Steve Engelhart, Bob Hall, Bob David Latham, Jim Shooter, and when you think of Jim Shooter mid nineties, uh, it must be Valiant. So it is Shadow Man. The uh, first seven issues of the Shadow Man series, as I said, a lot of great writers and artists worked on that book. Story of this uh, jazz musician who nearly dies and, and comes back possessed by. Uh, a voodoo spirit and it it deals sort of with you know dark mysticism and and new orleans and that's just uh you can get it in a a trade called valiant master shadow man volume one shadow man is not one of the old gold key comic characters so it was uh redone a couple years afterwards and mikey wood i believe you had some comments on that that the next shadow man series also quite good
0: yeah, it really is, yeah. It's, it, I want to say, was that a claim? I don't think it was always a claim when it first came out, but they started a new run of it, and... Um... It was really good. I, I know Ashley Wood did the artwork for the first batch of issues. And those are the ones I have. I didn't read the, the volume that you have. I started reading after. I Because I was into Ashley Wood. Because, you know, he had the last same last name as <laughs> me. Um, it was a really cool run. And there was actually a, a Sega Genesis. Not Genesis. I'm sorry. Sony PlayStation video game based off of that run. And that's a fun game, too. So Shadow Man's cool, man. That's a yeah. good choice.
1: It's one of the few comic books that Aerosmith appears in. I, I still <laughs> right. remember that comic book cover where uh, uh, Shadow Man's up on stage and he's like, "I don't know." He's he's in like a sleeveless t shirt and he's like, "What are you doing up here, Steve Tyler?" And right, Steve. <laughs> anyways, what's your cherry on the top this week, Mikey? Um, well, since we're
0: we're talking about swamp characters, I think I'm going to suggest uh, uh, the swamp character from from the Marvel run just to show that I'm I'm not sour grapesy and and anti-marvel um but it's technically Manthring volume th- three i believe uh it only ran eight issues it was 1997 and 1998 and it was written by jm dematius and illustrated by liam sharp and so it it was it was cut short at issue eight but the story continues in two issues of a new strange tale book that only ran uh, it was supposed to run four issues but three and four never came out so i did just tweet while you were talking i tweeted jane damadius and asked him if he has any pdfs of issues three and four just so that i could read them just in case you know they might be out
3: there but um, weren't these strange tales though anyway the i know what run you're talking about
0: to basically writing off of the success of vertigo is really what it was marvel tried to bring out vertigo-esque books under a strange tales banner so it was man thing uh werewolf by night and there was another one and i can't remember what it was they tried to wrap the stories up in Strange Tales, but again, they left them dangling there. And apparently the stories briefly summarized in Peter Parker Spider-Man Annual 99. So if you guys have that, that wraps up the story in that. But yeah, Strange Tales was like a, a subtitle for a while
1: All right, well, that's all the time we had for the last comic shop this week. As always, we were joined by the f- terrific mikey wood for another wonderful show and mikey uh you are a talented comic book creator in your own right where can people find your wonderful stuff you can order two of my graphic novels off of uh amazon there's
0: hate your friends which i did with uh Kristen blank uh, and there is pack of lies which i wrote and drew some chapters of and other chapters are written by lots of local pittsburgh artists um and and it's a wonderful book. Those are on Amazon. So if you look up, you know, pack of lies, Mikey Wood, or something, it'll it'll pop up there. Um, El Phantasma is my luchador, monster fighting guy. That's available on Graphite. And actually, before I forget, I want I want to kind of give a shout out to a really good swamp thing website that i have absolutely nothing to do with i just think it's it's magnificent it's rootsoftheswampthing.com they have a really cool fanzine which they actually publish on paper and it's great it's the holland files the guy loves swamp thing more than i do and it's it's magnificent so but yeah give that a shot
1: Yeah, definitely check out that website, and while you're out there surfing the web, make sure that you go over to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It is our fantastic little website where we don't have much to do with Swamp Thing other than this episode, but you can also get all kinds of great Comic book reviews every single week here on the podcast. You can rate, review and subscribe to all those terrific outlets like Apple Podcasts and Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, YouTube, Amazon Podcasts, all those great places. So make sure that you uh, again rate, review and subscribe. Leave us some good comments. You know, that we we love that stuff. And we, we will give you a shout-out on all of our social media if you do. Well, you know, we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. You leave us good comments. We'll make sure that you get a shout-out.
3: Not, not to beg too much. It'll help get the word out there.
1: Right. And uh, what's another way that people can get the word out there about our fantastic podcast by going out to our website, J.A.? Well, they
2: can buy some merch and wear it on the street. And, hey, if you're down with the green, you can get it in a green t-shirt.
1: That's right. (laughs) Just in time for Earth Day next week. You can show up with either your browns or your greens or your jungle camo. I don't know if we have jungle camo. But, yeah, there's a lot of great uh, items available at our shop. You can wear it with your Captain Planet hat.
3: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Have you guys seen this is apropos of nothing? Funnier died at a Captain Planet reboot? Yes, with John with Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle, yes, you have to check it out. Just not when the kids are around. (laughs) And and not for nothing.
0: The Swamp Thing series that ran on uh on DC streaming and then the CW is really, really good very lovingly adapted from the alan moore runs of the books in in it and and it's so good the the usa network swamp thing show is not but i love it for different reasons altogether
1: (laughs) all right well any case uh until next week make sure that all of you stay safe stay sheltered and make sure that do not bring your evil here because the swamp thing will be after you you know that's the true He's amazing.
2: <laughs> I'm going to go eat a veggie pizza.
3: <laughs> nice. That's a good idea. With tubers? Make sure tubers. <laughs> work out for those tubers.
2: Comic Shop was a 2021 Black Angus production.